Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Focused on the facts. Chris Smith on today's news talk radio, TNT. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program, to a brand new show and a brand new set of big stories to dive into as well. It's good to have your company. As I broadcast from Sydney town, although the bridge and the harbour are a dead giveaway, of course, uh, we've got plenty to talk about. Never a dull day. Um, I want to tell you about the woke kindergarten first up on the show. Yes, it's called a woke kindergarten, a shocking Marxist construct, which is slowly being adopted in US elementary schools. This isn't university education a woke kindergarten destined for five-year-olds, virtue signalling and cancel culture for five to 10-year-olds. Are they serious? Get me off this twisted planet, will you? We'll be jumping on the biggest breaking news with the help of the very colourful KABC Talkback host, Mike Netta. We've got to talk about these massive storms in South Southern California. I do hope Mike is still standing. We're reliably informed he is. We'll find out what he experienced in those big downpours. Plus, the impeachment stalemate in Washington, a big change to the Republican Party leadership. And are we witnessing the final stages of Senator Mitch McConnell's long and distinguished political career? The very entertaining Mike Netta coming up very shortly on the program. Do not uh, miss him. Now, on the Ukraine-Russian front, Big news of a very different sort today in reference to the Kremlin, with news that former Fox host Tucker Carlson is actually in Russia. Now, the likelihood is that he's in the Kremlin, as I speak, interviewing numero uno, Vladimir Putin. Uh, That will be rather fascinating. Now, I know he broke all kinds of internet records with his interview with Donald Trump on that first ever major interview that he produced on X, and it uh, coincided with the first debate for the uh, Republican candidates. But this will go off the Richter. You can guarantee that. It will go off the Richter. I do hope, though, while it's very fascinating to find out what Putin thinks of the Ukraine-Russian conflict and where it's headed and where the negotiation is on the table, Uh, whether he'll use any kind of threats of nuclear attack will be all very fascinating. But will he give Putin a hard time? Because at the end of the day, he's not a clean skin in all of this, Vladimir Putin. So we'll see whether he does that. I'll actually play for you what Tucker Carlson said on tape earlier today in Russia about where he was about to head and the interview being planned with Vladimir Putin. It's quite interesting. It is Cyber Wednesday, which gives us a chance to look at all the big tech being unveiled at the moment, the latest applications for AI and how invasive and controlling some of this stuff is because uh, there's not a week goes by when I think, well, hang on a second, do we really need that technology? Alex is coming up next hour. And if you've got a question for him, by the way, this is a terrific opportunity. Um, I usually have him on for about 15 to 20 minutes, but I can extend that time. If you have legitimate questions about new devices, new software, uh, anything that you've got your eyes on, or maybe something related to troubleshooting within reason, 
uh, you can jump on from the US or Canada on 1-888-201-6425. You can dial in from the UK as well, 033-0024-1026, and also from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. From down under, to decode the political mess that is the Australian Parliament, the perfume steamroller herself, Prue McSween, will handle that job today. We'll discuss Trump's latest legal setback. When does a day go by when he doesn't have either a setback or a win? There are so many indictments to traverse. Um, that's the way it is for 2024 for Donald Trump. What now for the British monarchy? A lot of people in the UK are wondering what the next plan is. And the newly led Productivity Commission in Australia, addicted to cultural change. Now, I don't know whether you know too much about the Productivity Commission, but it should be about economic efficiencies, period. It's not. It is about cultural change under a brand new head of the Productivity Commission. We'll unpack that for you with Prue, a very strange organisation, this. But that's our mud map. Let's get into gear. You're with Chris Smith, broadcasting live, we are, from Sydney, on the global news talk network, TNT. Bringing you a world view. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's news talk radio, TNT. Well, I've got to tell you, it doesn't matter what week it is. It can be a week without school in session or in school. I find no shortage of the Marxist hijacking of school curriculum to tell you about, of the hijacking of young minds right across the world, not just in the United States, but the US is suffering the most. How's this? A low-performing Bay Area elementary school introduced a woke kindergarten program centred on abolitionist education, abolitionist education, which instructs teachers how to remove barriers to learning by fighting racism and oppression, all the things that seven-year-olds think about not. According to the San Francisco Chronicle two years ago, Glassbrook Elementary School in Haywood entered into a three-year $250,000 contract, someone's earning a great quid there, to introduce woke kindergarten. Among the guidelines, pro-black and queer and trans liberation. You heard right. Now, before I tell you what happened to this Marxist reprogramming exercise, listen to what the very, very clever author, James Lindsay, says, a renowned critic of current educational culture in the United States. Here he is with Ben Shapiro late last year, explaining how Marxist leaders have spent 30 plus years contaminating curriculum worldwide. The model's really simple. It's not hard to understand. If you capture educational theory, then you can capture the colleges of education. If you get the colleges of education, then you can capture the teachers. If you capture the teachers as a kind of a generational model, then you get the students and thus you get the future. And this has been rolling from the 70s, trying to figure out how to do it. And by the mid 80s, they got, that's what Marxification of education is actually about. They got linked up with this fellow, Paulo Freire, a Brazilian Marxist educator. He had the model. They figured out how to implement it. According to a Marxist educator named Isaac Gottesman, who uh, was at Iowa State, he wrote a book called The Critical Turn in Education, telling this history. He says, by 1992, in colleges of education, Paulo Freire's work was where it remains today, which is everywhere. And so they had, the, for 30 years, they've had 31 years now, they've had the colleges of education under their domain. 
And so they've just slowly started to change the educational system from within. So there's your backgrounder. That explains so much, so much of what I hear from parents about how that school is teaching what they're teaching. So back to Glassbrook Elementary School, the woke kindergarten is the work of non-binary early educator, Akia Gross, who uses they, them pronouns. Of course, they, them do. Gross, which is quite aptly named, ensures all her teachers, oh, sorry, they, them teachers, are brainwashed into the woke model and it's become a standard. Here's James Lindsay again. Everything that Marxists sell you comes in a very, very pretty box, great, shiny wrapping paper, excellent bow, perfect corners. Whoever wrapped it is a professional at the mall or whatever great looking thing and you open it up and there's a turd in it every single time. And that's social emotional learning is the same thing. Social emotional learning, at least from Castle, which is the biggest organization that does it, uh, is a focus on teaching social and emotional skills. And they have this neat little bait and switch game they play or false advertising. They say, well, we have all this research showing that kids with better social emotional skills get better grades and do all this stuff better. They never actually established that their program improves those. They just let it be assumed. They just let it be assumed. Very well explained. So the result of the woke kindergarten program after two full years, a disaster, an unmitigated disaster. As of last spring, students' test scores plummeted to new lows. English and maths scores fell four percentage points to record lows. With less than 4% of students proficient in math, 4%, and less than 12% proficient, proficient in English. It was an abject failure to introduce concepts such as gender fluidity, empowering five-year-olds to 10-year-olds to rethink what their parents say and to become active against oppression. Critical theory is not a bunch of ideas. It is a cult. It is critical pedagogy is cult indoctrination. There's no other way to see it when you actually understand what they're doing. It sure is a cult. And you know how the school superintendent, Jason Reinman, reacted to the public's scrutiny in the Chronicle? I'll tell you. He argued it was more of a program aimed at boosting classroom attendance, not test scores. I bet the parents didn't know that. Maybe more kids attended class during this period because they like to skip the necessary tough stuff like maths and English. I bet that's what happened. Thankfully, some of the school teachers protested against what they described as a progressive program bent. One teacher, Tiger Craven Neely, told the Chronicle publicly he was informed a key objective of the program was to, wait for this, disrupt whiteness at the school. This is the kind of dangerous doctrine best left to activists on university campuses. Not to five to 10 year olds in your local elementary school. We all need to push back. This is TNT. TNT's Misty Winston. She says, how is anyone still talking about October 7th? What Israel has done since October 7th is many times worse than what happened on that day by any conceivable metric. The only way to feel otherwise is to believe Israeli lives are worth many times more than Palestinian lives. How is Israeli suffering still being centered over vastly less significant acts of violence three months ago, while ex exponentially worse violence and suffering is being inflicted by Israelis right this very moment? If your nation is attacked and you respond to that attack by immediately murdering 
thousands of children with incredible savagery, then you forfeit any right to expect anyone to give a shit that your nation was attacked. Israel responded to the Hamas attack by doing something much, much worse than anything Hamas has ever done, and in doing so, completely delegitimizing itself as a state and completely validating everything the Palestinian resistance has been saying about the state of Israel since day one. Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. It sounds pretty good. It's it sounds like, real, it's dude. Not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, good to have your company. Now, in breaking news today, and there's been plenty of it, the Republican-led House of Representatives has failed to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas for his handling of the migrant crisis at the US-Mexico border. Uh, four Republicans broke ranks, would you believe, and joined all Democratic members of the House in voting 216 to 214 against impeachment. Now, Mayorkas was unlikely to have been found guilty by the democratically controlled Senate, but the close vote in the House indicates at least some pushback over Mallorca's handling of the migrant crisis. My next guest will discuss this and much more. Mike Netter, Vice Chair of Rebuild California and KABC Radio Host, is a veteran of distribution, sales and marketing. He served in senior executive roles at Corporate Express and Staples. He's now applying his business expertise to state politics to create a powerful team of volunteers and allied organisations to further the cause of conservatism in the state of California. He joins us from LA. Mike Netter, Welcome back to TNT Radio. Chris, it's a pleasure to be here tonight. As you probably heard all over the world, we've had horrendous rains, hence yeah. why I have an umbrella. And But <laughs> let me put this down one second because I'm actually inside. And for those of you that are paying attention out there are going to go, wait, it's bad luck to open an umbrella inside. Hey, let's face it, Chris. I live in California. Newsom's in charge. They're training our kindergartners that all people are bad. Jane should be dying. Johnny, Sally should be Sam. And hey, how could my luck get possibly worse with what's going on in the Republicans today? <laughs> yes, massive but, amount of oh, bad luck for all Californians at the moment. So just very briefly, back to the weather. Um, oh, let's there, talk about there, the weather, Chris. Uh, has there been any serious problems? Well, it's interesting. This is apparently the worst storm we've had in a thousand years. Now, this is according to Mitch McConnell, who's about that old, um, apparently, because <laughs> I don't know how they know it's the worst storm in a thousand years. We have had 11 and a half inches of rain. Um, they like to call it a boom cyclone. We call them cold snaps. So I'm old school, Chris. I call it weather. And it's very shocking to many people on the left that in January in California, are you ready for this? We have rain. And of course, of course, it's the main job of government. And I say this over and over again, not to worry about whether kindergartners should worry about sexuality, um, about whether this, that and the other. It's the main job of government to provide us infrastructure, 
Make sure we have water at all times. See that water falling from the sky, Chris? Well, if you were, you would, because it's still coming down. <laughs> if we stored it, we'd be prepared for these things called droughts. Yes. If we actually kept track of our electrical grid, we wouldn't have these massive blackouts around California. But I've got good news about Los Angeles today. You ready Stop. for it? Crime rates down. Criminals are stay home when it's raining. Hey, <laughs> who wants to do a carjacking in this kind of weather, Chris? So that's good news for all of Los Angeles. Ah, those extreme weather um, events are, are proving quite beneficial to you. Uh, I do so want the to Democrats, touch- by the way, are going to take credit for that. They're going to take credit for that the crime rates been down the last two years because they predicted that climate change was the reason this is happening. So okay. I, I bet there are media being uh, on the scene and reporting between themselves or maybe publicly the fact that this is the cause of global boiling, Mike. It's always the cause of global something. And when I start with the thousand years, which I know there's geologists, a few of them, picking at the bottom of trees, taking things out of the ground. And I say this quite often, especially when it comes to politics. Look, I get it. The weather changes every seven years. It's probably going to change in 100 years. But here's the reality. I'm kind of worried about Tuesday and Wednesday. (laughs) And when you have my Republican Party, that's what we call the conservatives here in the States, melting down faster than the ice cap, you know, the... (laughs) ice cap in Antarctica, if you will, or at the North Pole, I've got other things to worry about besides long-term climate change. And this just in, if we run out of oil, you see these lights, I'll be using this umbrella in the dark and you won't even be able to see me. Correct. That sounds to me far more important than descriptions that I have heard from your part of America. Atmospheric river. An atmospheric river, whatever that means, that seems to describe what's gone on with 400 mudslides as well. Gee, I tell well, you what, they love jumping on this bandwagon, don't they? It's amazing that they've taken words like wind. And you've got, I've got to hand it to them. You really do. Because when you think about it, they've taken words like wind. They've taken words like snow, like rain, and they've turned them into multi-syllable phrases. <laughs> and you go, this is actually pretty creative. And they go, oh, my God, it's a bomb cyclone. Uh, dude, it's called a snowstorm, but it makes you feel good. We'll call it a bomb cyclone. Every, and if you think about climate change is weather. But when they exaggerate and make it two syllables, now you open your segment, I was listening in, Chris, with the thing about teaching kindergartners mm-hmm. how to hate other people and their genders might be wrong. So what's going to happen to these kindergartners when they get older? They're going to go, oh, my God, the description of what's going around me is two words. And I don't understand it because I never had math. I never had English lit and I never actually had science. And that's what they're doing. What they're doing, going with your opening flow, if you will, is the Democrats or the left, let's be fair, fair, right? There's a small core of people that take control of institutions. And I say this all the time. 
What we miss so much on the conservative side, we fight battles. The left lies in wait and they create these institutions. I got news for you. What they're doing to those kindergartners now is going to take us 20 years to figure out when Johnny becomes felon 4672 at, well, it could be the women's or men prison. It's hard to tell, but let's mm. put that down for a second. Let's just <laughs> say some prison that's like an all, an all gender prison. I'm sure they'll come up with that. But you get where I'm coming from. It takes yeah. a long time. And so what we do is we fight these shiny objects that they throw at us. Example would be the weather today. I get so many, oh my God, what, what, we have a rainstorm. Yes, there's some mudslides. And I know it's incredibly boring. You ready? For the news trucks, of which I'm part of on radio, and we don't do it either, to roll by my house and report nothing is happening. Okay? Well, we're here on the corner of wherever you live. That <laughs> absolutely has nothing gone wrong. Looks like it's raining. I'd Back love to, to see you, that. Chris. <laughs> okay, so the reality is they go to the few spots where stuff is melting down, they push it out to the rest of the world, and the rest of the world goes, I'm really glad we didn't take that trip to Disneyland this year. Yes, that's how they do it. They find the, you know, we had a massive storm in Sydney. I remember two years ago, and I'll never forget this. There were two locations in all of Sydney where there was flooding, and the flooding was only knee high. But the way they shot the pictures of these two very, very uh, random locations and made out, like if you looked at the story, you were convinced that, you know, the rains had come for the last 80 days. Um, it was just just classic mainstream media and people need to be careful about what they watch and listen to. I want to move on. Are you surprised? Well, hold on. Before that... you do, I want to say okay. something very disappointing in relation Go. to another story you had here is that I want to start, maybe you could help me out, Chris my own channel called Immigration Television. Because why the Americans and Australians are watching the rains coming down, if they would just tell the couple, the six million people you're flowing over my border, if we could put that in their cell phones, stay out, our weather sucks, I'd be much happier with the mainstream media. Because apparently they're not getting the message and they're flowing across the water, the border faster than the water is falling from the sky. Good point. Now, are you surprised that the House voted not to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas? That's kind of saying, are you surprised by idiots? So that is, it's a loaded question. Here's the thing, okay? I'm surprised that the House, and again, this is Republicans and Democrats. And as you know, I sent you a breaking story going a little bit deeper than the layer we're talking about that broke from a reporter friend of mine that I knew was going to today. Here's the reality, okay? I'm surprised, but not shocked, okay? Yes, he should be impeached. The reality is, it's again, a shiny object bouncing around, I have a dumb question for you, Chris. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's not elected. That's right. Why don't we just fire him? Okay. <laughs> you it's used to be able to like do that. Saying, it, Chris, it's kind of like saying, and I know they won't, if TNT radio wants to get rid of me, they would just fire me. Yeah. I don't have to be impeached or go through a legal process. So I'm a little bit confused as to why we're going through a legal process to impeach somebody that is not elected, Great but point. is appointed. Okay, Great so, point. all right. 
I I concur. And at the end of the day, has there been any bad, has there been any other policy so badly mishandled than the border uh, control? And he is the man in charge. He should have been gone long ago. Now, on Tuesday, Republican House representatives Matt Gates and Elise Stefanik unveiled a resolution that declares former President Trump did not engage in insurrection or rebellion against the United States. Have a listen to part of Gates's opening statement. We are here today to authoritatively express that President Trump did not commit an insurrection, uh, and we believe Congress has a unique role in making that declaration. It's not the job of the states, and especially not the job of some bureaucrats in Colorado to make this assessment and interfere with the rights of voters to cast their vote for the candidate of their choice. The very experts who often get on television and talk about securing democracy seem to be the first to want to then remove a candidate from the ballot because they are afraid that he is too popular. Now, Mike, none of that's going to make too much of a difference, but two very important points to communicate there, right? A lot of important points to communicate there, and it goes back to something that I talk about all the time. Regardless of what Congress says, even what the Supreme Court says, believe it or not, we still allegedly do have something called a republic, allegedly, where people vote. And the reality is it's going to be Donald Trump a zillion to one, okay? And he is going to get voted in. You can't really declare somebody ineligible for office. Um, it's nice that Matt Gates is doing this, and I back him in doing that. But again, it's a moment in time. Why other things are up for the Supreme Court? A moment in time. Mm. We have a system, and what Matt Gates said is really important. Why the Democratic narrative is well for democracy and giving that. No, just no. Just cut through it and just say, we're not, because they're not. Deeper than, of course, as always seems to be, and I can go into your show tonight, the Democrats have done more to suppress votes and suppress people from voting and take candidates out of office than any other party in the history of probably of America that calls itself to democracy. They're good There's at it, some, aren't they? They are, number, they are number two to Putin. I'll hand it to Putin. But yep. they are number two to him, but they're trying to catch up. Yeah, very, very true. I want to talk about changes at the top in the Republican Party after a quick break. I've got to get some news. I'll be back with Mike Netter after about 30 seconds. Let's go to the newsroom now. Hey, hey, what are you guys doing? Uh, we're breaking news. Oh, okay, carry on. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. As tensions rise over border security in America, President Joe Biden's tried convincing Americans Donald Trump is the reason the country is being invaded. Britain has announced it's withdrawing one of its warships from the Red Sea following repeated missile and drone attacks by Houthi forces. And Saudi Arabia has announced it will not establish diplomatic relations with Israel unless a Palestinian state is established on the basis of 1967's borders. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. 
Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNT Radio. Dot live. He is the vice chair of Rebuild California. His name is Mike Netta, and you can hear him on KABC Radio. In breaking news today, Mike, Republican National Committee Chairwoman uh, Rona McDaniel plans to resign after the South Carolina primary. Now, what does this now mean for Donald Trump, do you think? No, this is good. Donald Trump wants that. And I want to give a shout out to my friend who's the editor of Red State, Jennifer Van Lahr, who has been reporting on why this needs to happen. And in my moments left, I want to go into some specific detail. Please do. The reason all the ridiculous stuff that we open this segment, we talk about is simply because the Republican Party from the inside out is getting weaker and weaker. Trump was outside the bubble, coming in is making it stronger and stronger. Let, I'm gonna do something I rarely do, look at my stats on the air here. This, I wanna put this in perspective. There's the Republicans and there's the Democrats. And if you can't keep track of this, listening globally on TNT, go to my Twitter feed, at NetterMike, because I tweeted this breaking story about an hour ago, maybe Uh two hours ago. I'm getting old. Let's talk about floral arrangements. Yes, people getting flowers. In the last year, the Republican Party has spent $70,326. The Democrats, $795. That's sending flowers to people. Now, I'm most upset, Chris, because I didn't get any, but we'll go there later. Now, I'm going to cuss on your show, and I apologize for doing that. The Republican Party spent... Over a million dollars, here's the cuss word, get ready to beep, on consultants. Yes, I'm using the word consultants, open air. (laughs) Indeed, they did. On outside hacks, while we elect people to come in. Will the Democrats do that too? No, they don't. Why the Republicans spent over a million, the Democrats only spent 114,000. Wait, there's more. And you recite my background at the beginning of every show. Give me three minutes. You let the rat in the building, which is me. And now I'm at the cake. So roll with me here, brother. Office supplies, which I used to sell. The RNC, and by the way, I don't use them anymore, spent over 300000 The Democratic Party, only forty five. Limousines, because, of course, they have to get somewhere to be ineffective. They spent over almost 270000 Democrats, only seven. Here's where the rubber really hits the road. Voter file maintenance. Okay, so a lot of limos, a lot of flowers or whatever. So the RNC felt, what the heck do we need voter file maintenance for? What could possibly go wrong with election fraud? They only spent 39000 looking at that, where the Democrats spent 235000 Wait, why don't we contact the voters? Republicans said, sure, we'll spend only 86000 doing that. Why the Democrats, a drum roll please from the producer, spent $1.7 million on sending texts, GOTV, and we sent none. To the states, why my state's a, shall we say, not the finest place to live in. Okay, the RNC spent $13 million, about $14 million. The Democrats spent $24 million. So, to sum
sum it up, you want to know why why I'm in the shape I'm in, to quote the band? It's a lot to do with Ronna McDaniel. Why she's sending flowers to who knows heck, riding limousines to who knows where. Their core job is not to ride a limousine, send flowers, and use my former commodity office supplies. It's to maintain voter files and contact voters. That is kind of the main of the main purposes of the party. And the Democrats have done it better building institutions. And that is exactly why we have been fighting for Ronald McDaniel to go. And Donald Trump is more than happy, has someone lined up who will serve as the interim chief. And I know a heck of a lot on the layers beneath this story. You can read more about it on my Twitter feed. And believe me, if you want to find out many of the things that are wrong with conservatives today, as I put it, sometimes your own the rat is in your own building and you're the one that opened the door to let the rat in. You have nailed it as usual. That is just a superb understanding and a breakdown of why we have these situations. But you raised something, Mike, that I wanted to pick up. You raised the fact that uh, the Democrats like to think in the long term about their continued power, uh, the continued hold on the White House. Do you think that this could be one of the main reasons why they run this open borders policy in that all of these new entrants, these illegals in particular, will be forever thankful for the Biden administration and vote them in in 10, 20, 30, 40 years time? Oh, no, Chris. I think they really care about people. Of course, that's why they do it. Okay. <laughs> they let it in. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost too much material, dude. Are you trying to give me a stick? For God's <laughs> sake. Okay. No, they do it because exactly what you said. Here's right. what happens. It's not only about the vote. What do we have? Two minutes left. Let me roll this up for you. It's also about this. You, I, I don't know I've done this on your show yet, but illegal immigration cost the United States of America about 160 billion a year. That's the people that are in. But wait, there's more. I will give you, they put about, this is from a US Senate report. I will, etc. I will give it to you that they return to the economy about 35 billion. Let me make this easy for you. That means the negative dollars that illegal, illegal immigration creates is about 135 billion. And what the Democrats do, they go, hey, Chicago, New York, you overrun, come to the feds for money. We're gonna print more money and you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna give it to our long-term institution buddies called nonprofit and teachers unions. And by the way, look at all these illegal kids that need to be educated and yep. the teacher union becomes more powerful and away we go. Yep. So that's just the tip of the iceberg, which you mentioned. Back to look, you, Chris. They look after those within their own damn tent. Now, a group of Senate Republicans is growing weary of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's leadership and uh, have called for him to step down. Uh, Mitch McConnell's days in politics about over, Mike? Well, I don't know. I don't really know without Mitch how I know what the weather is a thousand years ago, but let's put that down for a second, okay? <laughs> of course they're numbered, okay? They should have been numbered a long time ago. And here's the problem that we have. We have a March primary. Ballots are out now, okay, in California. As you know, Super Tuesday is coming on March 7th, okay? 
Here's the scoreboard. Mitch is only in power because too many Americans don't take place. We need to vote them out or shout them out. And Mitch is one of the guys that needs to be removed from the head of the Senate. His day in the sun, we'll look at him. It's apparently long past, okay? Just looking at Mitch, you could tell that. He needs to move on. The definition of rhino is Mitch McConnell and a large crew of people, which, of course, you named a few of them that didn't vote for the impeachment, although I'm not sure where that would have gone. We can't fire Mitch. We need to vote Mitch out. We can fire Mayorkas from letting people over our border. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it isn't it mad? It is totally insane. And there's something wrong with all of this. You're, you're exactly right. I just wanted to tell you something a little bit further about the discussion I had, the editorial I delivered at the start of the program about this uh, Bay Area school that went mm -hmm. towards this woke uh, kindergarten. Now, I just go to the Chronicle again. The San Francisco Chronicle has been doing a fabulous job following the woke kindergarten um, stuff. Now, they also make the point here that there's a San Francisco... Let me read you the story. Let me read you the story to get, to get the gist of it all. Um a San Francisco school district is making monumental changes in face of a legal threat. In other words, parents are jacking up over what's occurring in their schools. They're actually uh, protesting, the smart ones, about the fact that their kids aren't learning the basics, that the cultural uh, you know, cancellation of various uh, white leaders are part of their education that so much that should be taught on the campuses of universities are now being taught in elementary school. And now the education department in that area is making changes. I just wonder whether the only way to get sanity in the classroom is to rely on parent power. Mike. Well, yes, it is. And let me explain something that California has. As you know, one of my claims to fame, of which I've only got a few, Chris, so don't rob me of them, is the recall of Gavin Newsom, okay, getting on the ballot. That's something that's called direct democracy. And right now, Protect Kids CA, find it on my Twitter feed. We have a petition out to get on the ballot so we can make our own laws in California. Look, if we wait for Mitch McConnell, wait for Gavin Newsom, wait even for some of the SoCal conservatives that we have in government to do something, it's not happening. In California and in 16 states, we have the right and we do to gather enough signatures to recall state officials, write our own constitutional laws. And the challenge we have, of course, is always money, Go to Rebuild California, throw us a few bucks, quick pitch. And <laughs> the challenge we have is gathering these signatures because this is shocking to you. The mainstream press doesn't like to report on what we do. Yeah. Of course it is. The power rises up with the people. We know what castles the storm and we're gathering even in inclement weather, my friend, to make sure that we do it. Yeah. One last one. I want to turn to sport. Uh, question without notice. Uh, the 49ers are my team. They've won five Super Bowl championships already. Will they win the sixth next week? I think they will. And to be honest, one of the first Super Bowls I ever went to, I've been to three, was to watch your 49ers 
beat my Chargers live in Miami. So thanks oh. for bringing that up, Chris. I have a little PTSD <laughs> about it, but we'll bring it up. I think the 49ers will win. And you know what's interesting in relation to politics on that story is that quarterback, as you know, Purdy, yep. was Mr. Irrelevant, the last guy picked in the draft. Yes. Just showing again that ordinary people can do extraordinary things. And that is what our movement, Rebuild California, is all about. Look, as you could tell, I'm less than ordinary. Heck, I use an umbrella inside. But at the end of the day, what we're about is ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Too long have extraordinary people in their own minds, gave a small group of people a large voice. Now a large group of ordinary people are speaking up, but we have a large voice. Follow me at Netter Mike. Go to Rebuild California and listen to me on KABC Radio, because frankly, Chris, I need the job. We'll do all of that. It's great to have you on, TNT. Thank you very much for your time, Mike Netta. It's been a pleasure. Stay right. dry. Fantastic. And all eyes will be on Brock Purdy as uh, he does his quarterback magic, weaves his magic at the Super Bowl and tries to win another title for the magnificent 49ers. We will do a little bit more on the Super Bowl, maybe on Friday, okay? Just something a little bit extra as we start to salivate towards uh, the big clash. We've got to take a break. And by all means, if you've got something to say about some of what Mike had to raise there or anything else, I always like our callers, our listeners, our viewers to set the agenda if you can. You can do that right now on TNT. You can phone in from the US or Canada on 1-888-201-6425, from the UK on 033-0024-1026, and from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. Let's take a break. I want to play for you what Tucker Carlson has said about 12 hours ago when he recorded something on X just outside the Kremlin. I'll be playing that shortly after this break on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The cyclone that's in the north of Australia is kind of unusual for an El Nino season. That's because we have not really had an El Nino season this year in Australia. The Southern Oscillation Index, the longest running measure of the ENSO, or El Nino, La Nina, has not cooperated at all. And we knew this was a problem way back in the Northern Hemisphere fall in our spring because we weren't seeing a lot of typhoons. Usually when you have a big El Nino, you have a lot of typhoons going off and we had the third lowest typhoon production on record. So something funky was going on. However, that Southern Oscillation Index is going to crash for the month of February, which means that our fall should be average in Australia. Now I'm bringing all this up because that crash in February is linked to severe cold in the United States and Europe for February into March. And we're seeing another ferocious storm attacking Norway now. A lot of heavy rain is coming into Europe over the next week. Now the two times that happened, it turned frigid in Europe. Same thing is going to happen. Mid-February to mid-March will be frigid in Europe. You see all these storms crashing into the United States? Well, guess what? It's going to turn frigid in the United States. In fact, for much of the United States, the worst of the winter is on the way. And just think, it all hinges on looking at the weather around Australia. Isn't that nice? Hands across the water. Australia, the States, and Europe. Kumbaya. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. As a combat wounded veteran, 
I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, just a postscript to our conversation with Mike Netto, just on the Super Bowl again, um, there would be people right around America converging on Vegas this weekend leading into the Super Bowl to have the time of their lives. Can you just imagine how congested, crowded, packed, that particular city will be from around about Friday. Can you just imagine? Well, what happens in Vegas won't stay in Vegas during Super Bowl week, according to ESPN broadcaster Joe Buck. Now, Joe predicted that something is going to happen and it's going to be a mess amid the festivities in Sin City leading up to the big game between the Chiefs and the 49ers on Sunday. Um, Buck said of Super Bowl 2024, I do not have any desire to be there, which is very, very strange. It's a lot of logistics, he says. It's a lot of congestion. I'm not that way. I'm not looking for the maximum party and going out all night. It's not just my thing. And then you combine that with Vegas itself. There's going to be some story. There's going to be something that happens because it's Vegas and it won't stay in Vegas. It's going to be big something that happens. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I just think that it's going to be a mess in my mind. We'll watch with a great deal of interest. Okay, let's get to the Kremlin. Tucker Carlson has confirmed that he is now in Moscow to interview Vladimir Putin following days of speculation. The former Fox News broadcaster is understood to have arrived in Russia last week posted a four-minute monologue on his website and his profile on X. Uh, Tonight, we're here to interview the president of Russia, he says. Now, his interview will mark the very first time a Western journalist has interviewed the Russian leader since the country invaded Ukraine two years ago and the Kremlin intensified its crackdown on press freedom. It's interesting to note that at least 19 journalists are thought to be detained in Russia at the moment. Uh, Carlson said he was interviewing Putin because it's our job. We're in journalism, and you can't dispute that. Here's what he posted on X. Have a listen. We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. We'll be doing that soon. There are risks to conducting an interview like this, obviously. So we thought about it carefully over many months. Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Two years into a war that's reshaping the entire world, most Americans are not informed. They have no real idea what's happening in this region, here in Russia or 600 miles away in Ukraine. But they should know. They're paying for much of it. 
in ways they might not fully yet perceive. The war in Ukraine is a human disaster. It's left hundreds of thousands of people dead, an entire generation of young Ukrainians, and it's depopulated the largest country in Europe. But the long-term effects are even more profound. This war has utterly reshaped the global military and trade alliances, and the sanctions that followed have as well. And in total, they have upended the world economy. The post-World War II economic order, the system that guaranteed prosperity in the West for more than 80 years, is coming apart very fast, and along with it, the dominance of the US dollar. These are not small changes. They are history-altering developments. They will define the lives of our grandchildren. Most of the world understands this perfectly well. They can see it. Ask anyone in Asia or the Middle East what the future looks like. And yet the populations of the English-speaking countries seem mostly unaware. They think that as nothing has really changed. And they think that because no one has told them the truth. Their media outlets are corrupt. They lie to their readers and viewers. And they do that mostly by omission. For example, since the day the war in Ukraine began, American media outlets have spoken to scores of people from Ukraine, and they have done scores of interviews with Ukrainian President Zelensky. We ourselves have put in a request for an interview with Zelensky, and we hope he accepts. But the interviews he's already done in the United States are not traditional interviews. They are fawning pep sessions specifically designed to amplify Zelensky's demand that the U.S. enter more deeply into a war in Eastern Europe and pay for it. That is not journalism. It is government propaganda, propaganda of the ugliest kind, the kind that kills people. At the same time, our politicians and media outlets have been doing this, promoting a foreign leader like he's a new consumer brand. Not a single Western journalist has bothered to interview the president of the other country involved in this conflict, Vladimir Putin. Most Americans have no idea why Putin invaded Ukraine or what his goals are now. They've never heard his voice. That's wrong. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. And we have the right to tell them about it because we are Americans too. Freedom of speech is our birthright. We were born with the right to say what we believe. That right cannot be taken away no matter who is in the White House. But they're trying anyway. Almost three years ago, the Biden administration illegally spied on our text messages and then leaked the contents to their servants in the news media. They did this in order to stop a Putin interview that we were planning. Last month, we're pretty certain they did exactly the same thing once again. But this time, we came to Moscow anyway. We are not here because we love Vladimir Putin. We are here because we love the United States, and we want it to remain prosperous and free. We paid for this trip ourselves. We took no money from any government or group, nor are we charging people to see the interview. It is not behind a paywall. Anyone can watch the entire thing, shot live to tape and unedited, on our website, TuckerCarlson.com. Elon Musk, to his great credit, has promised not to suppress or block this interview once we post it on his platform, X, and we're grateful for that. Western governments, by contrast, will certainly do their best to censor this video on other less principled platforms because that's what they do. They are afraid of information they can't control. But you have no reason to be afraid of it. We are not encouraging you to agree with what Putin may say in this interview but we are urging you to watch it. You should know as much as you can. And then, like a free citizen and not a slave, you can decide for yourself. Thanks. It's a great rider to the interview. That is 
hey, you don't have to believe what he says. You don't have to agree with what he says about why he's doing what he's doing. You don't have to do that. You can watch it, though. That's what we have in a free democratic country and a free Western world. We should be able to see interviews with aggressors, with, um, you know, despotic regime uh, leaders. Why shouldn't we? Are we not grown up enough to understand the difference between truth and propaganda? I think we are. I really think we are. And when you start um, having your emails uh, taken off, subjected to scrutiny the way Tucker Carlson has in any kind of communication with the Kremlin, and when you have, and he, and he points to this very clearly, when you have mainstream media that will censor what Putin says, you can bet on that happening. It's a lay down there. You start to wonder what country you're working in. You're certainly not working in the free United States of America. You're working in a very different place, a place more akin to Beijing in mainland China. That's what you're working in. Take it from me. I worked in Beijing in mainstream China in 1999 in the year 2000. I work within a government entity. I understand what is allowed to go to where and what is not. And it's about the government's narrative. And now this is replicating itself in America. The government should be ashamed. The agencies that work behind the scenes, the faceless men and women should be ashamed. Journalists should be able to interview who they want if that interviewee agrees on the interview. If it just happens to be Vladimir Putin, let's watch it and let's decide for ourselves whether he's telling the truth or he's spinning propaganda. Now, talking about censoring and selectively allowing things to be publicly known, this is wonderful. From Adam Crichton, the brilliant writer based in Washington from the Australian newspaper, the Biden administration pressured retail giant Amazon to limit access to books that dared to question the safety or effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines during the pandemic. That's according to new documents released by a congressional committee. Internal emails released on Monday by Judicial Committee Chairman Republican Jim Jordan revealed Amazon put anti-vax books on a do not promote order soon after meeting with White House officials. Who in Amazon can really say that they know the scientific and medical truth about these mRNA vaccines? Who decides on who decides on the truth? Who decides on who decides on the truth? That's the other question. Is it Bezos? Um, it's amazing that we are talking about democratic countries getting through pandemics and all we seem to be focusing on is the obvious, which is authoritarianism, which is the scenario by which people had to be censored and cancelled and have their accounts wiped off various social media platforms because they dared to question vaccines that came out of nowhere. And yet on so many fronts, they were so right. They were so right. They didn't have the evidence then, but we've got plenty of evidence now about the dangers associated with these mRNA vaccines. And yet people in Amazon are making truth or falsehood decisions on a daily basis during the pandemic about what books can be promoted and what books can't be read. 
It is straight out of authoritarian and tyrannical Beijing. Let me tell you, as someone who's lived there, that's the way it works. I find it absolutely outrageous. Now, before I get uh, run over by the news train, I've got to tell you, next hour on the program, we're going to get to the one and only perfume steamroller, uh, Prue McSween. We're looking forward to having her on the program today. So much to cover from down under. We've got our cyber and technical man, the one and only Alex Zaharoff Royt. There's plenty happening in the world of technology and uh, cyberspace. So we'll do all of that and take plenty of your calls. So if you want to have your say, this is the place to do it. Jump at our talkback lines. This is Chris Smith on TNT. 